Welcome to Big Brave Business. This is a podcast built on the belief that you can create absolutely anything for yourself. Whether it's a dream job or a dream life, it's all possible for you. I'm Amanda Nelson, a virtual assistant and digital marketer. And that's Sarah Heater, podcast producer and strategic consultant. Each week, we will share insights from working with dozens of clients, stories of how we got where we are, and encourage you to see us as your new business besties. So grab a cup of coffee and let's talk being brave in business. Welcome back to Big Brave Business. I am one of your hosts, Sarah. (laughs) Hey, it's Amanda. How are you doing? You didn't like jump in on my little theme there. I thought you were going to say, and I'm your other co-host, Amanda. sorry. I didn't know we were doing a bit. Hey, I'm your host, Amanda. (laughs) I tried to lay on all the cheese that I could. (laughs) She is our cheese master here at Big Brave Business. I am. That's not a title I'm proud to carry, to be honest. The cheese master? Yeah. Cheese really (laughs) makes my world go around, so I'm okay with it. So, Amanda, how are you doing this week? What's going on? How have you been? Last time we talked – so this is actually two episodes away, but last time we talked, you'd had some really big developments go on in your business with – changing prices and changing your client roster. And so how are you doing? What's up? Yeah, things have been pretty crazy, but all good things. It's been a real season of growth. Like I mentioned, I did I did raise my rates by a few dollars, nothing major. In my mind, it's not, it's not a ton for the value that I bring. <laughs> Just brushing my shoulder off. I mean, um, I but- agree. <laughs> and I pay it. <laughs> there you go. But yeah, it was a big step for me the last couple of weeks. Honestly, February has been insane. A lot of growth, a lot of client changes. I know that March and April will, I'm setting myself up for a lot of really good things, but it is, has been a time where I'm building out the foundation of, of the next couple of months being hopefully somewhat stress-free. And I was, I'm excited to announce, believe it or not, I have a stepdaughter who is about to have my second grandbaby. I am 33 (laughs) and I am about to have my second grandbaby and I'm super excited about that. So that's been really... By the time this airs, the baby will probably be here. That's so exciting. Oh, I'm so excited. Madison is going to be her name. So yeah, looking forward to that. What's new with you? Uh, Yeah, I just got back from vacation and I, um, as you can hear, I got sick. (laughs) So... (laughs) It was just, you know what? It was one of those things where like nothing went the way it was supposed to. Our travel plans fell apart and we decided we're going to make the most of it. We're going to do this grand staycation. And that way we could spend significantly less money, but like live in our own area way more opulently than we normally would, right? And we would still save money compared to traveling. So we thought, okay, we can make the most of this. And then halfway through the week, I got sick. So, And I'm testing negative for COVID. So like, theoretically, it's not COVID. And I was feeling like, okay, energetically, but we thought on the off chance that it actually is we better really just stay home. We don't want to expose more people just in case. So then it became movies and I played a lot of Switch. Like I have a Switch, but I'm not a huge video game person. I've never been. And 
I just love working. Like that sounds so stupid, but I like really love being productive. But I go through these phases with video games, like either like The Sims or Animal Crossing or whatever, where I play the shit out of it for like (laughs) 72 hours and then I don't play for six months or eight months or something like that. So that's what I've been up to since I got sick. (laughs) Very cool. I'm sorry you're sick. You feel better? You're coming out of it? I am coming out of it. It sounds so much worse than it feels, but I also can't tell how much it sounds worse in my head than it does out loud. But it's been fun coming back to work because now having taken that downtime and refreshing, I'm like so motivated to do work and to be active in my business again and just excited about things. And I've been having a lot of calls with new perspective people. There's just so much growth coming for my business this year, as you know, because <laughs> you helped me with it. And the beginning of the year is always my busiest season for like an influx of new business. But this year, it's <laughs> knock on wood, it seems to be extending longer to have all these sales calls and referrals and all these new interested people coming in. And so I feel like it's going to be a really big year. And actually, it's really had me thinking a lot about like my sales call process, as you know, and what I want that process to look like, how I want that experience to be. And I thought it would be kind of fun to sort of chat today about sales as a whole, like what your sales process looks like and what those calls look like. And I know you work with an agency, so I think it'd be fun to like kind of see how that process looks different for you and me. Yeah, I love it. Let's talk sales. Let's talk money. Let's talk closing the deal. So if somebody wants to work with you, what's the first thing that they do? I mean, I guess it probably depends how they hear about me, but the like best places you can kind of learn before you actually talk to me, which is like my preference. Personally, I like to creep on people is obviously this podcast, but also on Instagram. I have like a ton of content on my Instagram that's just like gold sitting there about podcasting. So you can learn a lot about me, about how I work with clients, about the results my clients are getting, and also about what I know and like strategy about podcasting on Instagram if you're an Instagram user. I also have some of that information on my website for sure. But the right now, the first thing people do is they hop on a sales call with me and I do like a crazy sales call. It is instead of doing a sales call because sales is something that's been really hard for me historically, like it has a very bad reputation and like taste in my mouth. And um, I've done a lot of like coaching and work around um, sales as a service and it's giving value to somebody. It's somebody needs this value. You offer the expertise. So it's giving them the opportunity to make a purchase they need to make or want to make anyway. And it's like an exchange of energy. I've done all this like mindset work around it. So the best way that it feels good to me is to make it a valuable session instead of a sales, just like a sales pitch. So I do, this is going to sound crazy, a 90-minute sales call. But uh, it is a 
strategy session. So it's 45 minutes of strategy about podcasting and then time for questions, et cetera, and chatting about you know, whatever is on your mind about your podcast, your business, et cetera. And then I share what my services look like and what it would look like to work together at the end. So it's basically like doing a masterclass, except for right now, I'm offering that one-on-one so you get that one-on-one individualized attention and ma- like a, of like masterclass level value. And I do that because I think it's important for people to understand how I can help them and like what value I'm really bringing as opposed to just hiring an editor on Fiverr. And also to make sure people like me because obviously I talk a lot. So you're going to have to like listening to me talk. <laughs> so if you can hang in for 90 minutes with me, then uh, it might be a good fit. But what about you? What's your when somebody is interested in working with you? What does that beginning process look like? Ninety minute sales call that is insane value. That's insane value. And as someone who has sat through your ninety minute um, sales pitch, you do give. It's insane how much value you give in those calls. So yeah, this is an unsolicited, unplanned. But if you do think you want to have a podcast book the 90-minute sales call with Sarah. She's probably going to kill me if she gets tons of calls, but you deserve it. You're really it's, – it's so Thank much value. You. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, and think of it as it's a launch strategy session. If you want to launch a podcast yeah. or if you have a podcast that's not getting traction, it's my signature strategy of how my the podcasts that I work on get results. So if you do the things that are in the strategy session, you literally will get results, period. <laughs> Boom. What else could you want? I mean, that's – I mean, yeah, that's tons of value. So as I have mentioned multiple times, I have my own business where I take on clients directly, but I also work through an agency. Um, What it looks like for the agency side is if somebody is looking for a virtual assistant, um, Alpine Virtual is an incredible, incredible company to work for, but also to partner with. So if you are looking for someone, um, I am currently full. So I will say Alpine Virtual is like the people that I would recommend, even though I know I'm like biased because I do work through them. But they highly, when I say they vet their people, they vet their people. It was one of the most strenuous vetting processes I've ever personally been through. And now that I have been with them for over a year, it's they're just, they're incredible and they're really good to their people. So Alpine Virtual is a company that I work for. And whenever there is someone who, um, so basically what it looks like is the client reaches out to Nicole or Alpine Virtual and they say, hey, um, I'm looking for a virtual assistant for this many hours. This is what I'm thinking um, I'd like them to do. And they have a call with her and then she will pair them with the virtual assistant that has the skill set, who is looking to take on that many hours, or she just feels like personality wise, it's a really, really, really good fit. So it's really beneficial to whoever's looking for a virtual assistant because you genuinely get someone who has been not only vetted, but is incredibly uh, the perfect fit. So then you get the client profile. I can say, I'll just speak from my first person standpoint. I get the profile of the person and I can say, yep, I want to take this client on or no. And that also like makes all the difference in the world because as a virtual assistant, I'm not pressured to work with someone that I don't want to work with. And also it goes the other way. The client gets to look at our profile and say, yeah, this person looks great. I'd love to meet them. Then we meet. If you want to work together, we move forward. Boom, we're done. We're ready to go. Now, if you want to work with me personally, 
am working on my website, which is exciting. Mm-hmm. I, do, I do have a wait list right now for somebody if you're interested, but you can go directly to my Instagram. There is an intake form. My Instagram is at Amanda Nelson Reads. I had to think about that. <laughs> and there's an intake form that you fill out. You tell me all the information, what you're looking for, and then I reach out to you. We do a discovery call, 30 minutes. I'll tell you if I think we're a good fit, if I can help. And if not, I will refer you to somebody that I know will help you or I'll take you on if you're like super awesome and I just think we vibe. So there's a lot of vetting process that goes into it. Unlike where I think yours is more sales. Mine more is like, is this a good fit? Is this something that I really want to do? Am I passionate about the industry that they're in? Things like that where they're pretty much coming because they're looking for someone. So the sales process is already kind of started or done. They're sold on what I'm offering. They just want to make sure that I'm the person. But, you know, it's a little bit different. Now, don't get me wrong, though. This is my next question for you. How intimidating is it when you go into these sessions? Do you get scared? Do you get excited? I'm sure when you started, it was a little intimidating. Yeah, it was more intimidating in the beginning. I think So the session that I offer now is the session that I've been offering since 2019 when I started my business. But in 2019, I was trying to fit into 45 minutes, 45 to 60 minutes total. And it was so rushed. It was so surface. And um, I felt like I was coming up against my timeline every single time where I did not have time to actually share my services as fully as I wanted to. So that was stressful because that's, for me, the most important part. That's the part where I'm going to get the the clothes, right? That's where it's going to be a return yeah. on the investment of my time. They get all the value of the free strategy, but then the idea is that I want to convert them. So I would say my I remember my very, very first one. I was so intimidated. It was an entrepreneur who does massive, massive, massive business. And just getting on a one-on-one call with her felt like getting on a call with a superstar. And I know you know that feeling too of (laughs) like, we work with so many incredible people doing incredible work, but there are people who have really huge platforms already Mm -hmm. established when we meet them. And that is intimidating and also insanely cool to be like you have a hundred times or a thousand times the number of like followers than I do that's insane but uh yeah anyways so she was like massive massive business multiple million like we're talking like 10 million plus um a year in revenue so it's just like an insane business. And I was very, very intimidated to talk to her. I was a brand new entrepreneur also. Aww, so my business was making zero dollars, <laughs> right? So I was like, okay, here I go. Um, and she was a personal referral, which is the only reason she I even like got her time, you know? So I was very intimidated by that. She never ended up starting a podcast, still doesn't have one to this day. But after that call, uh, I would say pretty much everyone since has just been fun. Oh, I know. Okay. The second one that I did, the second ever one that I did was in person. And so I went to this company's like conference room and presented and it felt very like almost like old school entrepreneur style. Like I'm going to go in and pitch my consulting business basically. Right. (laughs) And that was, um, that one I did, I, I do work with them. So that, that one did close. And, 
when they said yes in that meeting, I drove home on top of the world. I remember calling Aww. Eric in the car, driving back. I can remember exactly where I was on the freeway when he answered it. I was like, hi, closed oh, it. I like, it's it. so fun. Um, and after that, it just is like natural. I love yeah. public speaking and I love presentations. I've had several jobs in the past where like I sort of have essentially like a presentation I've built that has somewhat of a script, but I'm so comfortable with it and I know the material so well, I can just perform it. It's almost like doing theater in a way. Aww, and that's that. my total MO. So um, no, it's just like a performance almost, but it's also an opportunity to get to connect with people who I genuinely like. Like at this point, I've just, and I know you feel this way too, but I've met such like people doing such diverse work mm-hmm. in such different fields and really incredible like missions and what you know they're driving motivators and it's so cool to get to talk to people about those things so at this point sales calls are like the best part of my day it's my favorite favorite thing and i just love hanging out with people that's another reason they're 90 minutes did you feel intimidated when you were first exploring like what it means to be a va, a VA? what did you feel intimidated so funny by? story Let me tell you, one of the very first – so when I was first getting started, I was still working corporate. I've talked about this. And I was super like all in on wanting to be a VA. Like I wanted to get out of the out of corporate life. I was ready to jump in. I knew that it was going to be like my personality 101. I was super excited. Well, here's the deal. When you have to do these discovery calls, you typically do them during working hours. And so what I did was I took my early lunch break for one of my favorite discovery calls, a person who is still a client. I hopped into, I got in my car and I drove to the back of the hospital where I was working corporate. (laughs) I was working as a corporate marketing for a clinical research company. I drove to the back of the parking lot, got into the back seat. I still don't think I've actually told this client this, but I was in the back seat of the car and I took the discovery call in the back seat of my car because I want, I didn't want to, I didn't know what else to do because I didn't want the client to think that, oh, I can only reach this person during off hours, right? So I took the call in the back seat and I'll never forget it. He was so gracious. He was like, oh, are you traveling? And I was like, I totally lied. I t- 100% lied. I said, um, well, actually, I am um, traveling to visit family. And so I just hopped back here um, to have a few minutes of quiet because I wanted to make sure that you and I had a, a good amount of time that we could talk uninterrupted. Okay. Um, took that. I would. I cannot even imagine doing <laughs> doing that now. I used to get super intimidated, but also... I've always kind of been a very self-assured person and I've always Mm -hmm. operated with the mentality of I'm not for everybody. Not everybody's going to like my personality, but if you do want to work with me, it'll be, it'll be great, you know? And so if somebody doesn't pick me and people haven't, I mean, I've talked to people and had discovery calls and then I never hear from them again or they just wasn't a good fit or they went another direction. And so, I mean, it happens. So I do sometimes I'm like, if I, I'll say this. If I really want to work with the person, if it's somebody like you were mentioning that has major reach or is highly established, the pressure is there for sure. If I'm like, oh, you have, you know, 500,000 Instagram followers and you're looking for someone to work with you in your lifestyle blog, I really want to work with you. Like that is 100% my ideal person. There's pressure there. But now... I guess I'm just, I've done a lot of work to not be in that scarcity mindset. So I don't Mm -hmm. give off that energy when I go into the call of like, I got to close this. Does it feel different to like 
you said you're full and you have a wait list. So that would make it so much less pressure packed because you know you don't need the business. Like, do you feel like your energy is different depending on if you really do? Because in the beginning, you really didn't need the clients, right? Like in the beginning, I really didn't need – I needed to make money. Right. So do you feel that way, that it's less intimidating when you already have clients? Or have a job. Do you know what I mean? Like I had a corporate job. So it was like I I had the ability to kind of be selective. Um, but yes, yeah, I have done a lot of work to get out of that scarcity mindset of if I don't have this client, then I'm a failure or I'll never get another one. There are endless amounts of people looking for my services. There's no shortage of clients in the world. And once you can really truly get your mind wrapped around that thought that if you're in any kind of sales or any kind of business, like get that in your head. There are endless amounts of people that need what I'm selling. It, it somehow works out. Like the business comes, the people show up. I don't know how to describe it. If a client drops me for whatever reason, it's incredible how quickly someone else is like sliding into my DMs and I'm like, oh, okay. The exact same amount of hours even. It's weird how it works out. Yeah. But it's also because I don't approach any interaction with desperation. I don't care what it is, in and out of business. No, life's too short for that. So Yes and no. I think that a lot of that's changed since I have grown my business for sure. For sure. And I don't have to do it, you know, when I started, I was, I had another job. So I had income where you were like, I've got to pay my electricity bill. I need this client. Yeah. Like we need, we need some money coming in. We got to figure it out. Yeah. I think for me, it's, first of all, yes, it's easier when I don't literally need the clients like that yeah. definitely is easier but I don't think that impacts my energy as much as maybe it does it's really hard to say that <laughs> feeling of like not making any money is really scary so you know yeah. but I think more than that and this is here we go if you have a Amanda and Sarah drinking game get your drink ready because as an Enneagram three, oh. I think that the biggest thing for me is actually uh, having the results from clients under my belt that I can say, these are my results. That actually makes me so much more confident walking. I know that if you work with me, you're going to get results. I know this is true. Here is all of my proof, right? And I've always felt like, to your point about being a self-assured person, I've always felt like I know I could bring value. Just give me a chance. And as an entrepreneur, when you're first starting out, you still have that same energy as you do when you're starting a brand new job. It's like, I have so much potential. Or when you're walking into an interview, right? I have so much potential. Just give me a chance. I promise that I could be valuable if I just had a chance to be valuable. But once you have this like book of business to say, look at all the stuff that I've helped other people accomplish... I mean, the confidence is just like absolutely 100% there for both me and the person I'm talking to. And I always lead off my introduction of this is who I am. This is kind of how I work. This is what my business is about. And these are these are my values. And also, here's the results I get for clients. And I've had people literally say at that point in the 90-minute strategy session, like the very first few minutes, okay, sold. Like, so It's really true. To be honest, I'm sorry to interrupt you. It's totally true. I will say this. Um, it is incredible how much respect you will get if you come into a sales call or any kind of business and you say, I'm not for everybody. This is how I operate. These are Mm -hmm. my boundaries. 
this is what I can deliver. If any of that works for you or or if all of that works for you, great. But also I'm not going to be the person that's going to say, oh, I'll do whatever, whatever you need me to do. I'll do anything that you need me to do in order to work with you. Anything you want. People will run for the hills when you, that is a red flag all day long. Just like in relationships, if a man and or a woman comes into your life and says, oh, I'll do anything and everything to be with you, girl, run. They have no boundaries. They have no ability to deliver because they're acting out of desperation and nobody can create their best work when you're working out of that desperate vibe and space. And specifically, burnout will happen for people like that because they're not putting up the boundaries that they need. So the ability to tell a client, I'm not going to be able to do everything, but guess what? Together we'll figure it out or we'll find somebody Mm -hmm. else that can help us. That alone will attract more clients than being a yes person, if that makes sense. Is that your best sales advice? That is actually my best sales advice. Like think about what you really want to bring to the table. Think about what you want to offer. Share that with the person. And if they're like, well, this is what I'm really looking for. Well, then guess what? I'm sorry. Just be yourself and don't be afraid to tell somebody, yep, not in my wheelhouse, not going to do that. Um, Don't act out of desperation because you will end up burnout, stressed. They will put things on you that you are not prepared to handle. And at the end of the day, you will be an unhappy person who will not create quality work and you'll be looking for another job within a year. I guarantee it. Yeah. What's your best sales advice? I think my best sales advice is to make it your own. And I think especially if sales feels intimidating or it feels hard, and especially if you're at the very beginning of your business, it can be tempting to be like, can somebody just give me a script? And there's lots of people out there who will sell that kind of thing, like follow this exact script, just fill in the blanks about your services, right? And if you follow this exact script, you can close this client. And there's two things that I think will happen. Either one, that's not going to close a client because it's not going to feel like you. It's not going to make an authentic connection. It's going to be a script. Or two, it is going to close the client because it's a really good script, but it's still not an authentic connection, which means it's not at all representative or demonstrative of what your working relationship is going to be ongoing. So I think like kind of throw out whatever people are telling you you should do when it comes to your sales process and what that needs to look like. And instead think about what do you want it to look like? I've had so many people tell me, coaches tell me, this is not a sustainable strategy. This is not a good strategy. You're going to spend all your time doing sales calls. And you know what? That's my favorite thing to do in my business. So if that's how I'm spending a significant amount of my hours, I'm not mad about it. Now, I will say for scalability purposes, I am going to have to make some shifts to um, rethink. And this is something you and I have been giving a lot of thought to is like, how can I still make it feel like me and still feel good for me, but also be scalable to potentially 10 times the amount of business that I'm doing right now? Like, I don't want it to just be me, the only person who can take these calls for eternity, right? I want to build a business that is scalable at this point. But also, I don't ever want to lose the things I love the most about it. So how do I keep the parts I love and how do I make this scalable? We're working on a process right now. So I'm not actually looking for coaching. I I have ideas. I know what (laughs) I want to do. But that's the thing. That's kind of what I would say is my best advice is like, what do you want it to be? What do you want it to look like? And that's the best way to attract 
the people you most want to work with because they're going to like and be drawn to your process because it's you, because it feels like you. And I think the scripts, I just say like, they're horrible. Get away from the scripts. The scripts are just a crutch and you don't need it. Um, Unless it's a script you wrote, that's totally fine. But like a script that somebody else wrote, a canned thing that somebody else wrote that they're selling to potentially hundreds or thousands of other people to use the exact same sales call. How is that setting you apart from anybody else who's using that exact same script? It doesn't. Yep. It doesn't. So you could be a really, really good – you could have a really good delivery of that script and that might set you apart a little. But that's – again, it's not demonstrative of what your working relationship is going to be. So I just feel like – and I, and I think this is kind of my best business advice in general, not just sales, is like, what do you want it to be? What do you want it to look like? How do you want to spend your time? Let go of all the like comparison and the pressure and the – you and I talk about this a lot. We even talked about it in our trailer of like this work less, make more mindset of my business has to look at like other people's businesses and you need to work fewer and fewer and fewer hours because that's what the coaches are telling me I need to do and that's the best way for me to make more money. It's like – or also, what do you want your life to look like? Yeah. <laughs> How do you like to spend your time? What lights you up? Because if it lights you up the most to spend time one-on-one -on -one with clients, don't give that up. And that's for me. Like, that's why I didn't like a digital course. I love spending time one-on-one -on -one with people. Ooh, so I'm girl. never giving that up. You have the ability that I wish I had. I, I don't, it's not that I don't enjoy talking to people, but this is because of my personality. It drains me. It like actually drains me. I can do one or two calls a day, but on the days that I have like four or five calls, which I've gotten to where now I push my calls all into like one or two days so that I can have work days. I find myself at the end of the day, I just want to be quiet. <laughs> I want to be in a dark room. It completely drains me of energy. I wish I had more like capacity to meet and meet and meet and meet like that because I just think I'd be a much happier person. But I've gotten <laughs> to where now I'm like, if can you if there is a meeting, I said this to you earlier, if there is a meeting that we can do like you send me a loom recording of what you want to show me or send me an email and a screenshot of what graphics you're looking for or send me a Voxer message and explain it over voice message. I would much rather that because it saves you time because I have to bill you for the time that we're meeting. And it also gives me time back that I can be working on your project. So I cannot, I don't enjoy meetings at all. I do, I actually find that I enjoy first time meetings it's the like repetitiveness of it that is mm -hmm. stressful not stressful just draining draining is the word but yeah don't get me wrong a meeting that could have been an email is like the bane of everyone's existence i mean i have no desire for that either yeah but making a really value-packed scenario for both of us that's easiest for me one-on-one -on -one. yeah i could see that so like we'll wrap this up kind of this is getting long but I guess my next question for you would be like after you wrap up your call like your I don't want to call it a discovery discovery call but like your strategy session a strategy session yes <laughs> after you wrap up that call what do you do immediately after you hang up I send a follow-up email with a quote with a recap of the stuff that we talked about I always tell people in those calls that 
I have a problem with fire hosing, which you guys who are listening to this podcast totally know. I have a problem <laughs> with fire hosing where I'm just like, here's all of the information. And I tell people like, obviously take whatever notes you want, but don't try to write down everything I'm saying. Try to write mm-hmm. down the ideas you're coming up with because those you can't, like I can't give you those. What I will do is give you a follow-up of the overview of what we talked about. So you don't have to write down all the things that I'm saying because you're going to get it in an email. So I send um, a recap, I send a quote, and I send just a reminder of like my services, what that is actually included and what it's like to work with me. And the launch checklist. So it kind of shows uh, behind the scenes of what the launch process is going to look like and a link to go ahead and pay. <laughs> Let's go ahead and sign up. Let's and I think this, this is important thing. too for like closing. I end, unless they're already like, yes, I'm ready to move forward. I end all of my calls with on a scale of one to 10, 10 being the absolute most certain. How sure are you that you want to start a podcast? And then on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being absolutely the most certain, if you start that podcast, how sure are you that you want to partner with me on producing it? That way I kind of know. It's like an opportunity. Nobody wants to say, I don't want to work with you. I was going right? to say, anybody ever say far, no? <laughs> but they'll say, if they're not a 10, they'll say, the reason I'm not is because. And so it pushes them to give me whatever their objection is. And that... First of all, I can answer, right? And second of all, in any of my follow-up afterwards, I know what the mm-hmm. problem is that's on their mind, right? And usually it's something to do with price or timeline or whatever. Um, it's either they have too much on their plate and they're worried that they're not going to be able to sustainably manage an ongoing podcast or it's the price. They really don't have the yeah. budget for it. And once again, I'm going to say – I've gotten so much coaching from people saying like, then you need to change your intake process so that the people getting on those calls all have the budget for it. And I'm going to say, no, (laughs) I don't want to. I want to talk to people who genuinely want to use podcasting to make the world a better place and whether they work with me or not. I want them to be armed with the information they need to be successful. And it doesn't matter to me if they don't have the budget to work with me. I didn't have the budget to work with me when I started my business either, but I still podcasted. And so I want people to have access to it. I believe in that. And like, that's what's important to me. And so that's what I'm just going to go back to that. Like, what is your mission and your values? But yeah, after that, I don't have like a formal follow-up process after that initial thing. I'm just sort of like, hey, do you have any further questions? Do you want to schedule a 30-minute follow-up meeting? Here's my calendar, right? And um, we go from there. So yeah, what about you? What's your follow-up? Very similar. Now, if it comes to the agency, it's pretty much, hey, I've taken my call with this client. On my end, I say, yep, I'd like to work with this person. If they want to move forward, the agency gets all their money, gets all their contracts, all that done. Now, if it's me personally, when I hang up the call, I send them the quote for hours based on what they shared with me, what they're looking for. Um, I outline everything that I would commit to saying like, yes, this is what I can do for you. And then I email them all the things that we discussed in the call, just a recap email basically. And then I say, okay, if you want to move forward, you know, you have, I try to give somebody like about a week to decide. And that's not because I want to pressure anybody, but it's also because I I get so many inquiries. I can only hold space for a short period of time. Also, I always leave room in my 
time in the month for my clients that I do have. So if they have extra things they would want to add on, they have the ability to do so. And so I can't hold on to like a certain amount of hours in hopes that somebody says yes when it comes to that. So it's really like time is of the essence. Go ahead and make a decision. Let me know if you have any call, like any questions. And then from there, it's contracts. It's let's pay some money and let's get this thing. Let's get this thing going. The fun part. The fun part, the money part, and then the work part, which is even more fun. So when somebody signs up through Alpine, when do you get notified that they did sign a contract or pay a fee or whatever? So I am, I work pretty closely with Nicole, who is over Alpine Virtual. So she typically does the intake. We talk all the time on Voxer. So I hate to say that there's not like a more professional way, but I write her probably <laughs> the message and go, hey, I really like this person. Let me know if they're going to move forward. And pretty quickly, she will reach out to them and say, hey, Amanda said you had your call. Good to go on her end. Let's get this thing rolling. And then she just periodically will check in with me. So it's really at the rate and speed of the client because she's really quick. She sends over the contract. She sends over the way to pay. So she just tells you, hey, by the way, they paid. Yeah. And she'll say, hey, they're loaded up in our system, which is where we track our hours. And once they're loaded up in my portal, basically, um, for me to be able to track hours, we're good to go. But they don't get added into my system until everything is set, organized. We're ready to hit the ground running. And once I can see them in my portal, that tells me, okay, yeah, this person said, yep, we're going to move forward. And we move forward. There are also times where clients want to interview more than one VA. And so they want to see like, what are my options? And sometimes that happens and it kind of delays things a bit, but it's really at the pace of the client for the most part. So. And when somebody signs up through you to work with you, um, not through Alpine, Mm -hmm. how do you get a notification? Like, does it come to your phone? Does it come to your email? Like, what's the notification look like that like they paid? (laughs) So I send contract first. So I'm already kind of in the process. If they sign the contract, that tells me, okay, I need to go ahead and send them their invoice and here's the link to pay. And then I get a little ding on my phone and it says they paid. And then that's when I follow up with them and go, let's get started. This is what I need. And I have a process for onboarding, which is, hey, give me all your passwords. Tell me all the things that I need to know. What, And then that's when it starts the fun part, which is let's talk about what's the most important thing you want to prioritize getting done in our first 30 days. Okay. Our first 60 days, our first 90 days. And at the end of the quarter that we've been working together, what would be a good way for you to say, yep, this was worth my investment. And then that's when it's my job to make sure that at the end of the time you're going, oh my God, I should have gave her more hours because I've got so much more fun stuff to give her. That's when I get to do... <laughs> my job. That's my goal. So yeah. I get a notification. So like mine looks like they pay a launch fee first to Mm -hmm. get their podcast up and running. And then we do a contract and the recurring monthly fee when their podcast is actually ready to launch. And when I get a notification that a launch fee was paid, it is like happy dance total. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, I have a new launch. Like so exciting. And and so until that point, I'm I'm always like, I'm excited about this person. I really liked this person. I loved that call. It was so fun. I feel so good about it. They said they were a 12 out of 10. Like I really, they said they were going to pay today. Like hopefully I see it come through. But it's still that like, don't count your chickens, yeah. right? Like I'm just going to wait until until that payment notification goes through. I am not holding my breath. So as soon as it does, it's just like, woohoo, woohoo, woohoo. <laughs> I love it. Well, I feel like we have 
fully covered the sales process. How do you feel? <laughs> you got all of our bases covered? I mean, I think we can always talk more. I know. More. We can you always know talk me. more I sales. I can always talk more. <laughs> but the good news is we will be back next week with another episode. So there's always more Big Brave business to be had. And uh, thank you so much for listening. We love doing this podcast. We love talking to you guys and hearing from you about your experiences and being big and brave in your business and how you feel about our different episode topics. And so we want to hear. We want to hear what your sales process is like. We want to hear how you feel about sales. Can you relate? Have you ever taken a sales call in the backseat of your car? (laughs) What's the craziest place? What's the craziest place you've ever taken a sales call? We want to hear. So um, you can hang out with us over on Instagram at Big Brave Business. And thank you for listening. And we'll see you next week. See you soon. Bye.